So the topic today is interesting. I think it comes at an interesting time because it comes at a time where the world is screaming something at us. And one of the things that probably they quote in Scripture more than any other thing is this one line. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Now, I'm going to judge you, and I'm going to decide why I think of what you're doing, but please don't judge me. And, and the thing that's interesting is that they take these words from Scripture. Uh, they actually come from the passage that comes today. As we continue on the Sermon on the Mount, and as we take a look at Christ's red letters, we find out that he said these words. Well, he didn't say exactly these words. This is actually what he said. He said, Judge not that you, may, that you be not judged. That's a little different than don't judge me, isn't it? You see, the whole premise of what Jesus was saying was very different than what people are telling us. He's saying, be careful. There's a warning that comes with judging. And, and I think that this is kind of an odd thing for Jesus to say, because if you took a look at the first two chapters of the Sermon on the Mount, what is Jesus telling us to do? He's telling us to have a better righteousness than the Pharisees. He's telling us of a more sincere faith than the pagans. He's basically judging all of these groups. And then after judging all these groups, he looks at the people sitting on the grass for the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, don't judge. Judge not, lest you be judged. You know, there's an interesting concept behind this, because the interesting concept behind this is the concept of sowing and reaping. Um, and so if you take that, he, he explains it just a little further, and he says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and the, with the measure you use it, you will be, it will be measured to you. In other words, he's saying, the more critical and condemning you are of other people, you have just set up a standard for how they can be critical of you. The more, the more you look at somebody else in judgment, the more they have permission to judge. If you go on in Scripture, it seems to be saying that Jesus Christ is saying that there are times that we realistically are going to experience, even from God, that He will use our standard of judgment to judge us. You're saying, well, well what do we do then? Because when I get up in the morning, every bit of my life is about judging. In fact, some of you have helped me become better judges. Rex, you're an example of this. Rex and I have spent a lot of time together. And Rex loves carpentry, and I love carpentry. And Rex has explained to me the great necessity of using Cockwell. Because you can hide all of your little mistakes. But at the same time, what Rex did in the process of showing me how to use cock is he showed me where all the mistakes were. And so now, no matter where I go, if I look at woodworking, I'll go, they didn't measure that very well. Look at the gap there. There's no way they were a pro doing that. You know? 
Because all of a sudden, there's a new standard. And we live that way every single day. You know, God isn't telling us that we're not supposed to have judgment, that we're supposed to have discernment. He's just saying that there's a dark side to it, isn't there? There's this side to it that gives us the inability to enjoy any moment at all. Because we're so busy judging what is going on that we don't actually relax in the minute. One of the things that I used to do as a youth pastor is I would teach kids different worldviews. And then I would take all the commercials from the Super Bowl and we would watch them and try to figure out what the worldview was of that commercial and what they were really saying. At one point, one of my staff members looked at me and he says, you've ruined these commercials for me. I just want to laugh and enjoy them, but you have taught me how to judge them. I said, well, you know, we could do the same thing with movies. And he goes, please don't ruin movies for me. Because there's this reality that God has given us this ability every single moment. A part of being an image bearer of God is that we have this ability to judge. But we have to be careful with it. And I think that that's what Jesus Christ is saying here. He's saying he's not saying don't ever judge, but he says you need to be really careful with your judgments. And why do we need to be careful with our judgment? He uses this illustration to kind of give the reality of what judgment is like. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You know, it's, it's kind of an interesting picture. This way. It's like we're asking people permission to do eye surgery with an axe. We have this log that is sticking out of our own eye. And he says that here's one of the things that happens with judgment. With judgment is it's really easy to judge everybody else, but it's really hard to judge ourselves. It's like we, we, we forget who we are in the process of realizing that other people have issues. He's not saying that we aren't supposed to help our brother with a speck in his eye. What he is saying is, is that we need to be healthy enough so that we can be helpful. When I was a teenager, I had a really bad car accident. And, um, and after that, I had all this facial surgery. And then and when, when it healed, we realized that they hadn't gotten all of the gravel out of my lips. And so the doctor said, just come. And I'll take care of that. And he put me in what was like a dentist chair. And, he's, and I said, are you going to put me under? And he says, oh, I don't need to put you under. I'll just put a local on your lips. And uh, you can do this. And all I saw during this whole process was what I saw was the end of that scalpel back and forth in the periphery of my eye. And as he cut, he put a, a, a bandage, you know, like a, a piece of gauze on my cheek, and he would be wiping it off as he went. Uh, I, I was completely soaked. Why? Because it was really difficult to watch somebody do facial surgery on yourself. 
And he, he'd pull out the little rocks and he'd go, isn't this a cute little rock? Can I, you know? I, I would be very concerned about that. God is telling us that this is this picture that he's giving us. He's saying, it's not that you're not supposed to help your brother, but you need to realize that first of all, you need to be really healthy so that you can see clearly enough to be really helpful with what's going on in your brother's life. And that means that we have to be reflective. You see, there's a cure for judgment. He calls us hypocrites and he says, first take the log out of your own eye and then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's saying that we have to start with judging ourselves, not just the issue in someone else. Uh, his, his brother James put it this way in the book of James. He says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and preserves being being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in what he does. You know, the challenge here for us is if we truly want to be helpful to each other, and I think God wants us to be helpful to each other, is that we need to have the right mirror in our lives. And the right mirror is God's Word. And God's Word will explain the truth to us. Come on, how many of you have ever gone out for dinner with somebody and they're eating a wonderful sandwich that has mayonnaise in it, and all of a sudden, there's a little bit of mayonnaise on the corner of their mouth. Have you ever had that experience? Ever noticed that when you have that experience, because of the way we're built as human beings, we no longer can look them in the eye, we have to look them in the mayo? And then we do little things to try to hint around, to to try to help them, right? But there are other times that you're around yourself... Uh, I, I came into the office the other day. I came in in a hurry, and uh, I thought I'd comb my hair, and I, I thought I'd kind of gotten ready for my day. But when I came to the mirror in the men's bathroom a little later on, it was like, oh, my goodness, who have I already seen today? You know? God is calling us to do the hard surgery in life and the hardest judgment in life. He's calling us not to just judge others. He's calling us to judge ourselves. And the best way to judge ourselves is to have the right standard in judging yourself. And the right standard in judging yourself is God's Word. He's saying this to us. And He's challenging us. But it's interesting that all of a sudden in verse 7, it's like He does a 180 and He says, Do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw to your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You see, there's a converse side to judgment. God is calling us to be careful 
at one level to not be in the lives of other people without self-examination, but He's also calling us at times to be careful whether or not we're going to speak at all. Have you ever been with somebody that just doesn't read a situation well? And they start talking and everybody else is kind of like going, ooh, please stop talking. I think there are times that when we're in conversations with people about spiritual things, that's what we're doing. And that's the picture that he gives here. Is He gives us caution that sometimes it's best not to say anything because we are wasting our time. We're putting pearls before swine. We're, we're, um, we're giving to dogs what is holy. Now the word is a, is a serious word in Middle Eastern culture. That was, you never wanted to call somebody a dog because that was the filthiest of all animals to them. And so God is not calling us to not have judgment, but to have discernment. And I think that there are times that you come into situations. Have you ever gone into a situation where you wanted to really tell somebody a little bit about Jesus and how much you loved him, and you just didn't feel like it ever came up? And then you left the situation, you felt guilty because you hadn't talked about Jesus? This verse tells us that sometimes the reason that that's taking place is because there isn't the ability for people to hear what you have to say. You see, God isn't telling us not to judge. He's telling us to be discerning in our judgment. In fact, in verse 12, he says this, So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. An interesting teaching today because Jesus, first of all, teaches us that we need to be careful because the more critical we are, the more critical people can us. And he says that the second thing that we need to be aware of is that at times we see little issues in other people, but we're overlooking the big issues in us. And at times we're willing to speak into an issue, but the person isn't willing to hear. I remember when we used to teach, I used to teach sexual purity in, in high school, and I taught it with a, a lady that I loved, and she was about this tall. Her name was Beth. And uh, we were working with these teenagers, and we, we kind of took on the role that if you weren't the one that was teaching them, that you would be the one that would be kind of reading the crowd. And there were certain times that Beth would get real excited about something, and she'd get up on her little soapbox... And she'd start talking, and what became very evident to me is that none of the kids were listening anymore. And I would lovingly interrupt and redirect the conversation. Because we realized that if they weren't listening, it wasn't worth talking longer about an issue. God is calling us to be discerning in that. In fact, it's interesting that the golden rule, which is the idea or the guiding principle here, it comes up again in Matthew, and it comes up at the end where, where there's discussion. This is one of my favorite things that ever happened. There were groups of people. There were the Pharisees, and there were the Sadducees. And neither group liked Jesus, but neither group liked each other either. Because they just saw things so differently. 
So sometimes the Pharisees would come to Jesus and they would ask a question. And if Jesus could answer their question well, then the Sadducees would come thinking that maybe if they stumped them, that not only would they have stumped Jesus, but they would look better than the Pharisees. This was one of those times where, where that kind of a competition was going on. And in Matthew chapter 22, it says this, starting at verse 36. It says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now remember, the law had 613 commandments. And he said this to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On this two commandment depends all the law and the prophets. Now if you remember correctly, when Jesus talked about the golden rule, the last thing he said about it is, for this is the law and the prophets. And so what is the most important thing to help us when it comes to the issue of judgment? I think important thing in helping us in this issue of judgment is learning to love people because if our criticism and frustration isn't coming from a heart of love that's where the real problem is in fact let's remember something that jesus christ himself said when it talked about jesus in john three sixteen, we know this first don't we it says for god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life god loves us but the verse that's important is the next one it says for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved here's the problem people the world knows christianity as judgers and not lovers that's the problem there are times that we have set aside love and given ourselves permission to be involved in all kinds of issues that are ugly and that we because of our critical attitudes at those times are being judged for those things and we forget John 3.17, which says that God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but God came into the world to save it. There's another passage, if you go into Paul, Paul explained that the only one that could completely judge well is God Himself, and then it kind of in a loving way He explained this, you're not God, so be careful of your judgments. Here's the reality. Some of you have decided to not be followers of Jesus Christ in this room and are in our audience that is on, on uh, the YouTube or wherever you're picking this up today. And the reason you've decided to not be a follower of Jesus is because of the poor judgments of God's people. And you don't realize that Jesus Christ did not come to condemn you. That Jesus Christ came to save you. You see, He didn't have to condemn you because you condemn yourself. Don't we? I keep the score, don't you? We're constantly judging, aren't we? That was a win. That was a loss. Could have done better there. Should have done different there. We are constantly doing that. But Jesus Christ came into the world so that we could move from condemnation to acceptance because of God's love for us. 
You see, if you see the judgment that sometimes we're known for as Christians standing in the way of you having a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are missing the point of the Gospel. The point of the Gospel is that Jesus Christ wants to accept you even though you are condemned, even though you have allowed yourself to be separated from God, even though you do rebellion against His rules, even though there might be a speck in your eye, God wants to take that away. And the only way to take that away is for it to be punished. And that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. To take the punishment for you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please don't decide not to do it because of the condemnation of God's people. Instead, please accept the forgiveness that God has for you and ask Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior. It's as simple as a prayer. Dear God, please forgive me for the wrong things I've done. Thank You for dying on the cross for me. Thank You for creating a way for me to be acceptable to God. I accept that I am now a part of Your family. If you pray a simple prayer like that, you begin a relationship with God. And for the rest of us, we need God's help. We wake up in the morning critical. We do. We, we see things every day that tick us off. In fact, we have new things every day now. COVID-19 created new things for us to be critical of every day. Right? New things to notice, new things to be concerned about, new things to be critical of. The racism that we're trying to figure out how to, to live inside of and maybe overcome in our country. Every little snippet that's said on, the, on, on Facebook and every little comment that some people make, instead of bringing us together, are all different kinds of ways that all of a sudden we can be divided because of the log in our own eye instead of taking care of what we experience. There's a lot of reasons why that judgment can stand in the way of things, but Jesus Christ died so that there would be a bridge that would bring us together so that we could be personally changed and then we could be in the process of helping other people change. I am thankful for the Mayo checkers in my life. My wife. You're not going to go out looking like that, are you? I was thinking about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll change. That would be a good idea, Jim. That person that you sit across from that was honest enough to say, you have mayo on your face instead of finding it later. Have you ever done that? Later in the day, all of a sudden you come and you're going, oh my goodness, there's been food on my face. And that's breakfast. And I've eaten lunch. <laughs> you see, there is this place for discernment and judgment where we can help each other. But the larger issue is having God somehow transform the extreme critical spirit that we can have into a discerning spirit that He desires for us to have. He doesn't want us to turn off our brain. He wants to transform our brain so that we give grace and love instead of just criticism. 
all of you have had the experience of working really, really hard on something and doing your very, very best on something and bringing in an authority figure in your life that you just wanted to have and all you wanted to hear is good job, right? But instead what you heard is, well, you know, this is pretty good, but uh, you're doing okay, except every once in a while we just want the attaboy. And God is calling us to love and encourage and take care of one another. Let's pray. Dear God, this is, uh, this is a quiet challenge because more of this probably takes place inside our heads than comes out of our mouths. God, you have called us to be a discerning people, and yet you want to make righteous the critical and condemning spirit that can be a part of our lives. And so, God, what do you see in us? What's the log? God, deal with the log in our life. Maybe it's because of history or somebody's poor performance. But there's a log there, God, and we we ask you to do major surgery in us, God. Take away the log. Because, God, we want to be involved in the relational part of taking care of one another, and that means specs occasionally. And So we pray that you would make us healthy enough so that we could be the Mayo checkers in one another's lives. Help each other to that next level that is very relational. And God, we're also asking you for discernment because sometimes we talk. We speak and we should be silent. Us and we throw them to the ground in front of somebody because they're just not ready to hear it. God, in this very verbal society that we live in, God, give us wisdom to know when the most discerning thing is to keep quiet. God, I'm reminded that Proverbs says that even a fool is considered wise he just keeps his mind. But was being quiet. Teach us. And God... The law and the prophets are built on one commandment, and that was to love you and then to love our neighbor. And so, God, we pray that you would make us better lovers, more compassionate, more filled with grace in all of our relationships so we can reflect the grace that you gave us. And God, I pray for the one or two that have never come to a personal relationship with you and Maybe it's from the wounds of somebody's log that judged them. I pray, God, that they would see the truth of Your Word, that You didn't come to condemn, but that You came to save. You did not come to condemn, but You came because You loved. 
And God, I pray that today they would accept your love. They would begin that relationship with you and they would be changed forever by you. I pray that today would be the day they prayed the prayer. They asked you to be their savior. They thanked you for dying on the cross and taking their punishment. And they see themselves because of your word, because they have believed as your child. God, the world knows us as judges. Change our reputation, God. Help us to, to know us as the lovers that you've called us to be. We pray this in your name. Amen.